0: All right. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bill Byrne. It's time for a very special edition of the Thursday afternoon, just before Friday, Monday morning podcast. Um, I'm just checking in on you, seeing how your week's going. We have a very special guest, one of my nearest and dearest and oldest friends, oldest meaning the longest. He's still, he's still quite the looker, He asked me. <laughs> the one and only Steve Byrne,
1: everybody. Yo, thanks for having me, Bill. I appreciate it. And I just got to get this out of the way. I got to get this out of the way. I watched your episode of SNL. I loved it. I thought you did great. But the one thing I really, really admired about your monologue is the fact that I know that you didn't get to work that monologue once in the city of New York. Normally, you'd see Rock or whoever's hosting come down to the cellar and work on it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, at least some of the time. You didn't get any of that, and you went up. And you delivered it flawlessly. It was unbelievable. No, I, w- I,
0: I, I did those pop-up shows in New York.
1: Oh, but so you they were to do a few of them, right?
0: I No, I was doing like three a night. I was running. Oh, I, damn. I ran okay, it.
1: Okay, good. I was. I say, ran wow.
0: it. I ran it. I did it. Uh, um, I don't want to get anybody in trouble because not any all the shows are yeah, yeah, yeah. legal. But just say <laughs> there were some rooftops and sidewalks.
1: Dude, Man, when you did the Rick uh, Moranis behind joke, I, I used to play roller hockey with Rick Moranis in Central Park, and he's the nicest guy in the world. And when you told that joke, I laughed twice as hard because it's so damn funny, and he's just such a good dude.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that's, you know, if anybody has a sense of humor, that's, I mean, obviously, I'm not happy that that happened to Of him, course. But but I'll be honest with you. I thought that that was going to be the one that people were going to be upset about. Because who doesn't love Rick Moranis? Um, yeah. So whatever. But I mean, that was all. Any, you know, crap I got for it. It's always like eight people all tweeting at the same time. Everybody else either didn't watch it, didn't care, or watched it, thought it was okay, liked it, didn't like it, but is fine with it. And then you yeah. got, oh my god! I just anyway. So I want to fuck fuck me. I want to talk about you here.
1: Well, I want to tell you though. I've done literally. This is just today. These are all the radio stations I called since 6 a.m., 5 a.m. this morning. I've done oh my God. 22 radio stations all today, yesterday, and Monday. And I'd say half of the radio stations I've talked to, probably 60 the last three days, they all loved your SNL monologue. So oh, I was cool. want to let you know. Yeah.
0: Well, tell them to start tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, you have an amazing movie coming out called opening act starring Jimmy O Yang. I got to do it. Uh, I think a day or two on it. Um, yeah. and you have all these amazing, amazing, uh, people in it. A lot of comics are in it. Uh, Neil Brennan, who I thought was great. I don't, am not going to say who they played on ruin anything. Uh, Tom Segura, sure. Whitney Cummings, Eliza Schlesinger. Uh, I'm trying to remember all of them, but, uh, one of the guys in particular who plays a comedian, uh, um, Alex Moffat, who I, I just worked with on uh, SML, And yeah. much as I loved his performance in your movie, I was even more blown away when I met him because I didn't even recognize, and I had just watched the movie because I was in that. <laughs> I go, oh, did you do yeah. something? He goes, yeah, I played the, uh, the middle, the feature act. And I, and I was like, and I, and I said, oh yeah. And then I was thinking in my head, like, wow, man, he looks totally different. He sounds totally different. And I, we did a few sketches together, I think one that made the air. And um, he really is like different in each thing. So,
1: the mob scene gross. one, yeah, yeah. Um, He's such a great actor, really great he actor. He is,
0: he is. There's a lot of uh, super talented people over there. But for those of you who don't, you know, obviously, opening act, it's about stand up. I'm assuming, Steve, it's loosely based on obviously your career as yeah. a uh, comedian of Asian persuasion, right? trying to uh, get some stage time out there.
1: That's right. Yeah, semi-autobiographical. I think it would be, you know, when I was writing it, I was like, I want to write a great film about stand-up. I hadn't seen a great film just dedicated just to stand-up. And I thought, I don't want to watch a film about a 50-year-old driving home from Vegas. I want to watch a film about a 20-year-old driving to Las Vegas for the first time. So why not experience everything for the first time with this character from bachelorette parties, to heckling, to doing morning radio for the first time. So everything that happens in the film did actually happen to me. The scene where Jimmy ends up underneath a trailer, scared for his life in the woods while a couple above him is having sex. That happened to me. It was a marina No way. Yeah. It, and when, I, when the girl brought me home, it was from Charlie Goodnights. Because remember old Charlie Goodnights? The club was upstairs. You go downstairs, and that was the club where everybody partied. So you go downstairs, it's like fish in a barrel. And this girl, she's on the bar, Daisy Dukes, cowboy hat on. She points me. She goes, you, get over here. And I was like, yes, ma'am. And next thing I know, I'm on a highway. I'm on an interstate. I'm on a main road. I'm on a side road. I'm on a dirt road. I'm in the fucking woods. And I'm like, where the fuck are we? And I'm literally in the woods. And I go into a trailer. She pops open two beers. We're drinking beer she immediately grabs my pants and pulls them down i mean we're in there for a minute and i'm looking at the desk and i see all these guns and these bullets and i'm like are you do you shoot guns and she goes oh no that's not mine (laughs) and then all of a sudden i hear a truck pulling and she goes oh my god my boyfriend's here i go what he goes she goes he's a marine get out of here and i jumped out of the window and i'm in the woods so I can't run anywhere cause I'll snap branches. He'll go, what the hell is that? And it'll shoot me. So I sat under the trailer and I heard him talking to her about I was gonna bang her and all this stuff. And then they started having sex and I was just like, oh my God. And I didn't have a Wait, cell how phone. How
0: long were you underneath the, you never told me this. How long were you underneath the trailer
1: for? I was underneath the trailer for probably three hours. I didn't have a cell phone cause this took place in, in the year 2000. And so I had to wait until they banged. I heard them making Hot Pockets. They ate. They passed out. I ran another two hours to the gas station, and that's how I got home. It was awful, awful. At what point
0: word. did you fe- I mean, you must have been scared shitless with the guns. Because he could have killed you. He could have shot you as many times as you want. No one's going to hear it out there. No. And then just bury you. <laughs> I mean, it's right. over.
1: Yeah, I think in some way my career was is still left under that trailer. I think that's what happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow! You know uh, that. Rem- I'm not going to say the comic's name, but that reminds me of another time when we w- we were in uh, somewhere in Tennessee, and the comic I was working with, mm-hmm. black dude, left with a married white couple, and I was oh. just like, "Are you out of your fucking mind?" Are you out of your mind? I was like, yeah. dude, don't go. And he he was just like, nah, man, it's it's fine, it's fine.
1: <laughs> and then a year it later. ended up
0: being fine. It ended yeah. up being fine. There's some uh, there's some pretty wild people out there. That's what I I mean. I'm so glad, dude. I was just I mean, if I didn't go to the bar and get shit faced, I just went back to the room. I I never got, you know, the few times. I tried to stick my toe into that, that world. I always met some psycho chick, and I was just like, I, I really don't want to be meeting the kind of person that, that is going to hook up with the comic that's coming through town. Yeah. So I, I kind of stayed out of that world. Jesus, dude, that made me nervous when you under the – how did you know when, when you finally felt like,
1: okay, they're asleep? I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything for like a good 20 minutes. I'm like, I think now they're, now they're sleeping. And it had to be like five or six in the morning. I was scared out of my mind. I was a young kid. Again, I didn't have a cell gotta make a move before
0: the sun comes up. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was horrifying. And even like that radio scene in the film, that happened in Los Angeles at KLOS uh, on Frank, Heidi, and Frosty. And we're friends now, but it was the second time I did radio and again, it's a different muscle. You got to know how to do radio. And Jimmy doesn't know. And I didn't know in the film, Jimmy doesn't know. So I'm bombing on the radio. I start trying to do that New York seller. Set it
0: up. There's a scene where uh, Jimmy's character is going in for the first time. He does morning radio meets like a morning zoo team. Yeah. And, you know, they've been doing it forever. And you come in, they don't know who you are. And those things can go sideways really quickly. Sorry. So go ahead.
1: It went south quickly for me, and and I started trying to do the seller shit where I'm, like, taking jabs at them, but I wasn't doing a good job at it. And they're like, who is this guy? They called security on me while I'm on the air. They go, security, can you – I'm like, are you guys serious? I thought it was a joke. Security comes and, like, picks me up, and I'm like, is this real? And I I get taken out. I get escorted out of the building. is this a bit? I got – I remember at the time, Sebastian Maniscalco lived a block away. So I walk over to his place. I knock on his door. He goes, what's wrong? I go, turn on the radio. We listened to them eviscerate me for 15 minutes, destroying me. He's got no charisma. He's got no future. This is in Los Angeles. How hard were you laughing? I was crippled. I just moved to L.A. I'm like, Oh, oh, okay, okay. This is the worst They stopped, they cut to commercial. Sebastian just put his coffee down and looked at me and goes, what the fuck did you do, guy? (laughs) 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 So the film was really taking all those awful experiences and combining it into 90 minutes so that people that have been to a comedy club can now experience what it's like to be on the road and also how difficult it is to navigate those first very few few moments and hurdles we all have to go through as young comics.
0: Yeah I remember uh, doing a, a radio with this there was a, some legendary guy in Cleveland. I should have known because he was like in his 60s he was still doing it. I remember he had he had brown hair that he had dyed it. And it sort of had an orange tint to it. You know, they the dye <laughs> wasn't good in the nineties, right? Yeah. So I went on and he, he was just he he wasn't friendly. And he had this sidekick and he's just like, hey, he goes, he goes, Hey, how's it going? And I try to do the yeah, it's going great. Let's get the comedian up at six o'clock in the morning. I just I try to do like a I'm so tired, yeah. but he took it as though I was shitting on his show. Oh And he, I, I don't even – it was so long ago. He just started coming at me, and by the time I was like, oh, no, 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 that, that was aimed at me. Yeah. It, it yeah. was – I did another one. Um, the shock jock guy, I came walking in, and he's got his back to me. I'd already gone through there one time yeah. with the late, great Charlie Murphy and Donnell L. Rawlings when we were on the Chappelle's gig uh, tour. And I went in there, and he was intimidated by Charlie and Donnell. Right. He's one of those white guys I felt like didn't hang around black people. So he's like, oh, my God, black people. Be friendly to them. <laughs> and I was sitting there, you know, looking like an old howdy doody. So he yeah. just was going at me. So I kind of knew he was like that. And the person was bringing me and going, yeah, he's kind of in an extra grumpy mood. So I came walking in, and the guy okay. his back to me, doesn't even say Hello. And they got me a water and they're like, Bill, you got, we got a water. Can we the assistance? Like, can we get you anything else? And I was just like, nah, man, I just need some headphones and I'll be good. And he turns around and he goes, yeah, we'll get you some cans. We'll get (laughs) you some cans. Like who says cans, right? And I was just like, what the fuck? And he ended up getting fired shortly thereafter. And I think he knew he was going to get fired. So he was in this desperate mood where he had to be crazy, and yeah. i he threw a whole hot cup of coffee. I don't think it was still hot at one of his lackeys. Oh, shit, really? He threw it up and over like we were standing like a round thing. Yeah. He didn't throw it. He, he made sure he threw it where it, it, was, it was sort of going up, and the kid had time to get out of the way. But I was just like, this guy's out of his mind. Trashed me, said he never heard of me, and I said, well, I just had something – Come out and I go at that point. I started sticking up to myself. I go, well, actually, I know I just did premium blend or something on Comedy Center. I got good reviews or something like that. He goes, Yeah, well, you know, I never heard anything about it. And I'm just like, Uh, thanks. <laughs> just one of those idiots who like doesn't get the business because it's like, you know, you stay in this business for 15 minutes and you're going to see somebody that was here go down here and somebody yeah. here is going to go like that. So, anybody you're talking to, if you're looking up at him, looking down, the next day it, it can flip. So totally. if, you, if you go around doing this thing where if I don't know you, I'm going to treat you like shit, that guy could end up being – or that woman could be your boss in like a week. And for yeah. some reason, this guy uh, didn't seem to understand that. No, not like that happened with me, but I, would, I just – I've never understood people, you know, just in general, to treat yeah. other people like shit. But just if you have any sort of business sense, why you would do that
1: especially in in our profession, because we're all stocks. We go up, we go down. Like Punky Johnson, you think about it. I asked her, she was a bartender at the comedy store. And I said, hey, we got a scene where I need a host of The Open Mic. And she's the host of The Open Mic at the beginning of the film. She's introducing Dr. Ken, Ken Jung. And she's up there. And now the film has come out and she's on SNL. And I was like, "Holy shit!" Just in 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 less than literally a the ahead. last
0: time I saw her, she was behind the bar, at the comedy store. Going, "What's up, Bill?" I saw her, you know, right before COVID. Yeah, and that was the thing. For those who don't know, she would be she would work the bar early in the night, and then she would run up and go do a spot, and everybody loved her. I mean, that she was one of those people that when she got it, the whole comedy store yeah just texting each other like what oh my god like everybody loves her and uh, i actually got to do um i got to do a sketch with the her sketch with her yeah yeah so it was kind of cool in the end dude you how know, you see i mean
1: thing. i was with you when we we were talking about kevin hart when kevin hart first did snl and we had a conversation about that was like one of the first of our friends to kind of host and how cool it was and
0: Man, I that, think it might was, have been Dane. It was Dane or Kevin got it first,
1: yeah. Yeah, and then, and then you got it, and then to see like when I saw the thing, they always have great photography, and yeah. you, they, they put on the social media the, the yellow background, and you were there, and I was like, man, that's so fucking cool that uh, all those all those great the pantheon of talent that's been on that show. I mean, I know you. Well, tell you when I was
0: getting the- changed, they want commercial break. I peeked out for some reason because I always, you know music geek. I was watching the band and,
1: uh, Oh, Jack White. Jesus, man.
0: Yeah. I, I saw, I was watching, I think the SNL, but I saw the, that one with the yellow background It said SNL. And I was yeah. just like, this can't be real. This has to and then, be this I was ask, 16
1: birthday. And let's, let's pretend you did this show. It was crazy. I want to ask you this because obviously you're such a big music fan. I don't want to hijack your podcast, but, the guy, the drummer that was playing with Jack White, he, I've never seen like an inverted drum kit where it was facing out. Is there an acoustic reason to do that? Or is it just like an aesthetic reason to do that? I'd never seen that in my life. I, I read up on it. There,
0: there is like a reason he said he did it. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you that I got so many people who said, hey, great job on SNL. Dude, what was up with that drummer's kick? <laughs> I mean, it was nuts. Uh, Jeff uh, Cesario was telling me, he goes, it looked like he was playing, like, drums while falling out the window. But, he, I mean, <laughs> it works for him. He had all kinds of things. When he, The way we'd hit the ride, he'd kind of go like that with his hand. He was really interesting to watch, but didn't steal focus. And they played off each other great. And then their bass player, the bottom end that he was putting in the, like, I got, um, like, I was already on 10, mm-hmm. and then when Jack showed up. Yeah. And you, your dressing room's here. His is, like, literally right there. Uh, oh, awesome. by the way, this is my my SNL's little cut oh, I got. So what happened? That was from the cast on the uh, Sam Adams thing. They had the fake cast, and when we oh, when me and fought? Mikey Day were fighting or whatever, so at some point it it just it was like a, like a cheese grater. The <laughs> fucking yeah. thing has been so annoying to try and get to heal because it's, I don't know why. But anyway, um, once he showed up, uh, I mean, the ride he takes you on. Like, I oh, love that one song where he just starts, he starts so low. And then we just let a couple, like, bend a few notes, a few ring out, and then just yeah. build, build, build. I mean, um, I, I learned, I, I was talking to somebody last night about this. How my, I learned... The most lessons I learned about a comic is from watching great musicians. It makes no sense, but it does to me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If I see like, you know, just the the dynamics. If somebody who understands dynamics, understands how to pull it back and then unleash it, just because they're doing musically, you can do that also with your jokes and how you control your energy, how loud you are bring them down, which pulls them in and then hit them over the head. And then you can't stay up at 10 for too long or it just becomes like white noise. And um, I know we've all seen like the loud comic who has the mic like in their mouth. Yeah. And it's like, that only has an effect, you know, for so long. But if you have the ability to do that, it's this amazing tool that you can then have that overhand right to hit them with. So I I get a lot out of like, just how hard he was going and how amazing they sounded. I was just thinking like, all I got to do is nail my monologue. And then in every sketch I'm in, I'm surrounded by Groundlings, Second City, they're going to hold me up. And then I'm going to say, now Jack White. Unbelievable. He's going to fucking kill it. And then I knew that uh, uh, Beck Bennett had this really, really funny pre tape thing, so i was like we got that and i was that's when i like around friday i was getting excited i was like this is gonna be this is gonna be this is gonna be interesting
1: oh, and then i saw awesome. the eddie van
0: halen tribute that video which yeah. i didn't know that they were gonna show and i was like i uh, uh. it was it was an unbelievable moment
1: that unbelievable. was sick and, and and it's great that someone who's a purveyor and such a fan of of rock as you are was there to you know pay homage to him and and to say what you were saying about deriving inspiration from music, I remember watching that Michael Jackson documentary, This Is It. Remember after he died, they cashed in and showed yeah. rehearsal shit. And there was a moment in there where he, he comes out and the band starts playing. He goes, no, 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 no. Yeah. Let it sizzle. Like, simmer. Let, let it simmer. Let it, let it simmer, yeah. And, and I remember, like, I laughed so fucking hard. And then I was performing, like, the next week at a Funny Bone, and I nailed a joke and the audience was clapping. And in my head I heard his voice go, let it simmer. And I was just like, I
0: just like, don't talk and <laughs> let it simmer. Oh, that's what no, I'm telling you, like those guys, like if you see a master, I'll tell you who I saw was a master of that, not the most popular guy anymore. Yeah. But I saw Bill Cosby right before right before all the the, the shit hit the fan. And I yeah. watched him sit down. Doing that. Oh, yeah. And he had us on a string. Yeah. He had us on a string. And wherever he wanted to take us, he was, it was, he was like conducting the whole thing. And I got so much out of watching that. So, um, I don't know. But anyway, let's talk about the movie here. Dude, this ain't about me. When When is, um when is, when is it out? How can people see it? Yeah. Uh, when do you go to cons and be called the next O.T.? <sighs> Tour is
1: that the word? Whatever. The, whatever yeah, I, I, none of that's happening, Bill. None of that's wow. happening. When when the film got green, what driving
0: movie theater? Exactly. Bert Kreischer
1: opens. That's the movie goes on. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. I'm I'm going to go see. I'm going to have a premiere. B-wee, big Pee wee's big adventure style. You know where I'm at the end and I walk through the drive-in and all my friends are there. That's what's going to happen. I got a tuxedo. I got a nice dress for my wife. And I was like, we're going to wear this to, premiere, to the premiere, and then the pandemic hits. It's like, well, we're going to get a six-pack of Schlitz and pop open this SUV and just watch it from the back of the SUV. But, yeah, it's going to be uh, Friday, October 16th in select theaters, which means if you want to see it in theater, you've got to fly to a red state and watch it there. Or you just watch it uh, at Amazon and iTunes, anywhere. You no,
0: there's no driving movie theater premiere in L.A.? Nope. Nah, man. Because uh, well, once you said October sixteenth, I'm like, well, I got past that gig. i my, my year. I, I got all all the time in the world.
1: Yeah, we're gonna. I think we're gonna go to. Um, I'll let you know about it. But Vince, Pete, and I are gonna go to one of the drive-ins and some of the cast members. I'll let you know which one we're going to. But I think we're gonna just get a limo and go up and. I'm uh, there. Yeah, yeah. It'll be it'll be, be fun, there. man. It should hey, be. Hey, I good gotta time.
0: ask you uh, in an earlier draft because I know some Steve Burns stories here. Oh boy, so, yeah. <laughs> Fist fights? In, in an earlier draft, was there ever a scene where Jimmy's, Jimmy's character, Will, is on stage and a Puerto Rican hits him over the head with a, <laughs> uh, with a chair at a club that may or may not look like the comic strip? Now, for those of you at home, this, this this man may not have happened to uh, your director here, Steve Byrne. He was uh, at the comic strip and um, one of the great comedy clubs out there. But as all comedy clubs, they go through, you know, ups and downs, just like a relationship. Huh? This was the downtime, and you wanted to be on the 8 o'clock or the 10 o'clock show. You did not want to be on the late one. And the yep. late one, what would happen was so few people would show up that, until you hit a comedian over the head with a chair, you were not gonna get thrown out. So no. you just went up there. There was nobody going in there looking out for comics. Nope. Now they do. I'm not shitting on the club, but that there was a period back then where you went in there, you were on your own, and you would walk in there and you could tell the crowd had already taken over the show. Oh, Everyone yeah. was Julius Caesar doing this. <laughs> I had I, I stopped putting in for the late show. I stopped putting in for it cause I just at some point I was like, I've done this enough. I have my stories, I've paid my dues, I'm getting nothing out of this. Yeah. And I'm going home angry because it would always be the last
1: set of the night. Yep. Um, I, I learned my lesson the hard way and everything you're saying Tell <laughs> the story. Happened. How did how did that happen? I went to the late show. I I was such a dipshit. I was a young comic. I wrote a new joke that day. I'm like, I'm going to grind this joke, and by the end of the night, it's going to be a good joke. So I did my sets. I go up to the comic strip. It was my birthday, too. So I go up. Of course. uh, Midnight. There's eight people in there. Four of them are from Jersey, and they're debating the the check. That's how late I was up. I got the check drop. And so they start bitching about the check, and I go, guys, can I – just do this show for these remaining four people. What are you going to do about a Jackie Chan? I'm like, oh fuck, here we go. So they call me. Oh, Jack- I
0: thought it was. I thought you were the, I thought that was the, the Puerto Rican guys. That must have meant somebody else.
1: No, well, no, you're right. So they call me Jackie Chan. They call me something else. Then the girlfriend starts <laughs> chiming in. The girlfriend's chirping me. This Italian chick, and I and I was so inexperienced. I was such a dummy. I go, will somebody tell that cunt to shut up? Next thing I know, a fucking bar stool gets whirled right across. ziz ziz ziz. I see it in slow motion. I turn around. The bar stool hits me right here, cracks my skull open. Yeah. Blood is streaming down my neck like hot water. Big Jay heard the heard the stool crash against the wall, comes running in, breaks it up. I go... He goes, you okay? I go, I'm finishing my set. He goes, you are not finishing your set. dude. You got blood coming down your neck. Get the fuck in the hospital. He burns a hockey player, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so, so I go to the hospital, eight staples in the back of my head. And being a comic, I'm like, they're not going to bog me down. I know I'm embarrassed, but I got to go show my face and get it over with. I show up as soon as I walk into the comedy, as soon as I walk into the comic strip, they go, hey, everybody. It's the chairman. The chairman is Steve. Steve Burn is here. I go, all right. Ha, ha, ha. I walk over to my headshot. Somebody had taped staples to my headshot right there. Yeah, I remember and It was that. like, all right, welcome to New York City. <laughs> I <laughs> remember. That. That awful. <laughs>
0: I think that's how I
1: found out about it. I yeah. walked
0: in. I go, why is there staples on Steve Burns' head? Because I think I was on the road. They go, you didn't hear about that? Oh, what like, nah. happened? Yeah, I don't. Know, he called this Puerto Rican guy's girlfriend a cunt, and he threw a chair. <laughs> And then I was probably going, and what did you guys do about it? That's right, yeah, that's I love right, that. Yeah. Once again, they even threw a chair and nobody gets the other comic. Yeah. yeah
1: it yeah. was K Big Jay that came in and saved me. me. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. You know, there was one time I got into a, a real fist fight at the comedy store. Um, I'll never forget this. I, I, I was at a point in my life where you think, okay, I'm mature enough. I'm past it. I know how to handle situations. I <laughs> was a student at the comedy store. This is the dark days of the store. Nobody's coming there, right? And so I'm um, being introduced, as I go on stage, four kids, four Asian kids are getting up and they walk out of the comedy store. And before I even touch the microphone, this guy goes, "Hey, your friend's left you." I go, "What?" He goes, "Your friend's left." And he's eating chicken wings. Now, after he says "Your friend's left," he goes like this. He goes... and I was like, "This motherfucker." I go, are you saying my friends because they're Asian? He takes another bite of the wing and he goes, yep, that's what I'm saying. I was like, this piece of shit. I go, well, maybe I'll go outside and I'll find him. He goes, maybe you should. I go, maybe you should come outside with me. We'll find them together. He goes, maybe I will. And I oh, jumped off stage. I want to punch this guy. I jumped off stage. I got up. He got up. I started walking over towards that corner by the, by the uh, manager desk or whatever, where they answer the phone and take the money. And I grab him and I just start popping him in the face and I'm dropping him, I'm popping him as he goes down. I'm just drilling him. Ne- next thing I know, his friend that was with him picked up a table. Those tables are heavy. They've been around since the 50s probably. Anybody
0: knows about the furniture at the comedy, uh, comic strip that we use, Steve?
1: <laughs> you got a bar stool, now we got a table. Okay. Now I got a table, yeah. So this guy's taking a table and he's going to hit me. Brett Ernst runs in and tackles the guy. And puts an end to that. Otherwise, I swear to God, I would be eating every meal out of a straw. I'd be up on four wheels. That, that thing's fucking heavy. Yeah. So thank God Brett Ernst saved me. Big Jay saved me. And uh, that was the last fight I got into uh, because of comedy. I learned my lesson. I know one other one, but I'm not. I... What other What other one?
0: That guy on Ninth Avenue sitting in the car. What happened? i i
1: I remember i I thought
0: you don't remember you (laughs) somehow you got into with a guy in a car yeah and you punched him in the face while he was sitting
1: oh that made yeah 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 and then there was another time outside the cellar (laughs) outside the cellar the cab driver was being a fucking (laughs) asshole so i took you know they took the garbage bags i took a garbage bag and i fucking chucked it on the hood of his car i'm like fuck you, you piece of shit. And he got out and I started hitting him and he hit me back. And I, I think it was Colin that broke it up, Colin Quinn. And uh, he's like, you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm up in five minutes. And <laughs> it's just one of those things. I think, you,
0: I think I'm the only guy who never had to break up with Steve. I, the money that I hung out with you, you never got in a fight when I was around you, but I would just always, I would always say, yeah, Steve, uh, I don't know, Steve went into the, went into the whiz <laughs> to go buy a... Uh, to go by his, uh, Walkman. I'm a pretty knows, nice guy, but... I it, speaker at the back of his head and he just started punching him.
1: It's always just right there. It's always right there. I'm a great guy. I'm a good hang, but it, there is that like, it's right there. It just always boils. It's a nice simmer. But as I've gotten older, the simmer has lower and lower.
0: That's the, that's your blood, man. It's
1: the Irish. It's the Korean and Irish. The Irish in there.
0: Because the Koreans are the Korean
1: and Irish, right? koreans are the irish of asia um they're outgoing they're fun they love to fucking drink whiskey oh my god they're storytellers and they love to fight so i think it's it's a double whammy
0: got a double shot of hot blood is what happened <laughs> you know who else has that you know who else has that is al madrigo oh yeah but and he's al- is he sicilian
1: and mexican oh you do
0: not want to fu- you don't want to make him mad
1: <laughs> no, you never want to get on Alf bad side. He's the most brutally honest person I've ever met. He likes he likes to talk shit, but he's he does it from an honest place. But he's never been in a fight, which I found fascinating. I go, the way you right? run your mouth. I go, the way you run your mouth, you never been in a fight. He's like, never been in a fight. I guess he's one of those guys that doesn't need to.
0: Well, it's good he did, because he's he's like one of those bite your ear off guys. He starts biting your ear and you pull away and doesn't let go. And then it's like three quarters
1: hanging off your fucking head. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no rules of contact with him, I think.
0: Yeah. I essentially retired from fighting in like junior high. Everybody else hit puberty, but me and shot up. And I was like, all right, time to be funny. (laughs)
1: Let's let's avoid this. I think my late twenties, that's when I, that's when I raised the, raised it to the Raptors. I retired from fighting from then.
0: Yeah. It's a great thing to do. Um, anyways, the, uh, I love the movie. I saw it, and Thank I didn't even get the chance to talk. Cedric the Entertainer, as the, 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 the headlining comic, taking Jimmy's character, Will, under his wing, um, was such an amalgam of so many people that helped me out in this business, all the way from Tony B when I was in Boston to like Dice out in L.A., Um, just giving you sage advice, you know? Yeah. And I really, now that I've gotten to that age, is what it is when you look at younger comics, you see them about to do something that you did. Yeah. And be like, all right, you can do that. But, uh, you know, my experience is it played out like this, or you can do this other thing. Um, it always helped me out as a younger comic because, It was like, okay, so this is not unique to me. The world is not attacking me. This is part of being a comedian. And you can just, then you don't have to do all that stupid guy ego shit um, that causes you to say something stupid and basically puts you on the bench for another three years in this business. Yeah. And the story to go away or for somebody to do something dumber than whatever the hell you just did or said.
1: Yeah, all those those great guys along the way. But now it's like you and I are at a similar age now where, look, you're doing theaters and arenas. I'm still in the clubs and those young comics come up and they still ask you. I'm in
0: parking lots. I'm doing patches of grass behind a fucking motel. We all, we all got me too this year. COVID me too everybody.
1: (laughs) Well, the young comics, they still ask you those same questions. And now it's like, I finally, we will be able to say, here's a DVD of the movie. That's everything you need to know. Good luck on your journey. I think the film it really kind of is. it up for a young comic.
0: It really is. And um, I've never written a movie, but I I talk, I mean, I can't imagine how much work that was. I'm so proud of you. Everybody, please go out and go see Opening Act. Can you watch it online? Did we mention where that was? Yeah,
1: streaming, Amazon, iTunes, wherever you stream films, uh, you can see it. October 16th, it's released. And I cannot thank you enough for doing it, Bill. Uh, you know, it was one of those things where... Yes, you are a friend, but it was also a favor because you're doing so much. It's like you got your pick of the litter and to go from, you know, like set of The Mandalorian to coming down and doing an independent film with me and Jimmy O. Yang, which I never understand. Are you being confused with the other Jimmy Yang that's so famous and popular? I never understood why he has the O in there, but it's like, all right, let's do Jimmy O. Yang. I like, thank you, man. Thank you for doing it.
0: No worries. No worries. Um, I hope this is a big success and like to see many more. The great Steve Byrne, everybody. Thank you, Bill. No worries. And I'm gonna have to do I advertise and reads after this. All right. Any other th- if you need me to Instagram anything, tweet anything, just always text me and, and I'll
1: I'll help promote it.
2: You got my, my number. You got my number, Steve. So if there's any promotional stuff they I'll just
1: add to the tweet. Let me know. Okay, yeah, for sure. I'll I'll hit you guys up probably day of, you know, the day of release. I'll hit you guys with maybe the trailer. Asking just put out the trailer and say that's in two board.
0: days, the sixteenth, right?
1: Two days, yeah, man. Dude, congrats on SNL, dude. I was so fucking happy for you and when I saw you come out and do that monologue. It, it's just like there's a part of me up there, you know, because yeah. you, you every comic wants to do that. But knowing like one of the good guys got to do it, I was so fucking stoked for you, man. And that, that Boston, that Sam Adams commercial was so fucking funny. I oh, was, I hope you're proud of that because that. I, that, I that hope they do
0: an cry. extended cut because there. Was, I had a lot of, we yeah. had a lot of fun doing that. We shot that for like four hours. I had all kinds of <laughs> <alternate> <laughs> endings and all kinds of things. Was, I was just that Heidi, um, the actor there, I her last name, she she was cracking me up. She was super funny too. So. No. Love
1: Love to your family, man. Love to you.
0: Take care, guys. All right. We'll see you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's our old friends here, Indochino. You know, people, finding clothes that fit you just right can be incredibly challenging. They should be the people sewing them together. Indochino suits are great for weddings and work, and they even offer casual options like shirts, coats, and chinos. So I guess it is chino. With Indochino. Uh, you get custom-fitted suits and coats and casual wear at surprisingly affordable prices. Customize everything from the fabric and the lining to the lapel shape and monogram. And since your order is made to your exact measurements, it always fits you perfectly. If you're getting married, married, geez, Indochino is no longer is a no-brainer for your you and your groomsmen. Forget the -the off-the-rack suits that don't fit different type bodies. You know what that means. You're tall, you're short, you're a little chubby. Uh, Indochino gives everyone a tailored fit. Order with ease and get it shipped fast no matter where you live. Or you feel like Kevin McHale with super long arms. Um, And with all the ways to customize, you can add a personal touch to everything and uh, and everything. Personal touch, everyone will be proud to wear without emptying their pockets. The best part is Indochino suits start at just $299 with all customizations included. Visit one of Indochino's showrooms across North America or book a virtual appointment at shop online at indochino.com. And right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $399 or more when you enter the code BURR, B-U-R-R at checkout. That's indochino.com slash No, Indochino.com, promo code Burr. sorry. Oh, look who it is, everybody. Oh, zip. Recruiter. Uh, Monica Stacks could relate. She needed to hire for a pivotal role at her construction company, GS Group, but was having a tough time finding the right person especially with so many candidates out there. So she switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience for your job and actively invites them to apply, which is why you should try Zip for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Burr. That's how Monica found Lamont, you big dummy, Jenkins. Who's name Lamont? in 2020, she said that ZipRecruiter sent Lamont, I'm having a big one, profile to her around, wait. She said that ZipRecruiter sent Lamont's profile to her around five minutes after she posted her job because he was a great match for the role. Though Zip, uh, through ZipRecruiter, Monica's company has hired everyone from accountants to project managers to field scientists. Um, wow, that's a big construction company. But Monica's not only the only employer who loves ZipRecruiter. Four to five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See for yourself how ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier. Try it now for free. That's right, free at ziprecruiter.com slash Zip. That's zip.com slash burr. Z I P R E C R U I T E R com slash burr Okay, we got one more here hello fresh hello fresh Uh get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouthwatering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with hello fresh America's number one meal kit Hello fresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking easy fun and affordable Skip the grocery store. How are you gonna find that married woman in the loveless marriage? uh um, <laughs> sorry hello fresh offers convenient delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family the recipes are easy to follow and, and make and quick to make with simple steps and pictures to guide you along the way hello fresh cuts out stressful meal planning jesus christ what am i gonna make and grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or even less easily change your delivery days or food preferences and skip a week whenever you need. Feeding the whole family has never been easier with larger box sizes for more servings and more savings. Since they offset their operations, travel and shipping admissions, HelloFresh's carbon footprint is 25% lower than store-bought grocery-made meals. Uh, The source of that is the University of Michigan. Hail to the victors. HelloFresh is committed to making fresh, delicious food available now more than ever and has taken extra steps to keep its employees and customers safe, including contactless delivery. Here's your food. Tamper-proof packaging and team member wellness checks. You can save 40% by using HelloFresh versus shopping at your local grocery store and it's more convenient too. Over 90% of ingredients are sourced directly from growers to ensure the freshest recipes are delivered to your door. Um, host must voice call to action verbatim. Oh, that's me. I'm the host. And I must do the the call to action verbatim. Well, I'm gonna if you write it, I'm gonna read it. Go to HelloFresh.com slash eight zero burr and use the code eight zero burr to get a total of eighty dollars off across five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. That's HelloFresh.com slash eight zero burr promo code 80BURR. That is it. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the music and there'll be a bonus half hour of a Thursday afternoon just before Friday, Monday morning podcast from, you know, a year ago or I don't know oh, how Andrew does it. Up. Eight Take years. Eight years from eight years ago. All right. When Tom Brady was still a patriot. Okay, I'll see
1: you. I'll you into your pocket Invisible Do I use
2: on it's Bill Burr and it's the Monday morning podcast for Monday October 15th 2012 2012 baby um this is soulful october make sure to wear your fake pink afros for to raise soul awareness in october i want to fucking have some sort of counter uh awareness thing to try to dip into all this pink All this pink that I'm seeing out there. It's like, I got it. I was aware of it before the month. Stop jamming it down my throat there. You know, we already got a month of it in the NFL. Breath cancer, we're raising awareness. Why don't you raise money to cure it? Isn't that what you're supposed to be doing? If you're raising awareness, what exactly does that mean? They said that on my flight, I was on a Delta flight. You know, went to the airport, and I'm flying once again. Come fly with me, you red-faced fucking cunt. And I'm (laughs) flying (laughs) from New York City to Los Angeles, right? And I get on the flight, and I'm looking at the ladies, right? The stewardesses, and they're sitting there in jeans and in pink shirts. And I was like, oh,
1: Jesus. jeez.
2: Right? Here we go again. Here we go again. All right? So we sit down and they get on the, fl- fl- you know, they get on the fucking horn there. And they go, thank you for flying, Delta. If you could step out of the aisle to help expedite. Fucking word, I can't stand. That word does not exist other than in the fucking corporate world. All right? To expedite the boarding process? We'd like to have an on-time departure? Bitch, that's not on me. That's on you, okay? You said the shit was leaving at fucking ten past eleven. I didn't. Why don't you start boarding the fucking thing earlier? Or at least give us a little more room back here! So anyways, of course, once we get the plane starts going... She goes, "Um, the captain still has the seatbelt signs on. You cannot use anything electronically. Here's my memorized joke that I say every flight about electronic stuff. And then she goes, you might have noticed um, the flight attendants are not wearing our usual uniforms. Really? Yes, really. (laughs) We're actually wearing jeans and pink shirts to raise... Breast cancer awareness. If you'd like to buy a ham sandwich that was put together by a Filipino child nine weeks ago out in the French Riviera sweatshop section of Nice, a portion of the proceeds will be going towards raising breast cancer awareness. They keep saying that shit, raising breast cancer awareness. Shouldn't they be raising money to cure it? You know? I think the awareness is out there. So if you're just raising money, if I go and buy that fucking Cubano fucking, you know, ham and cheese with the pickles there sandwich, right? I'm buying it thinking that I'm going to help the fucking disease. Am I? If you're just doing it to raise breast cancer awareness for that, am I just giving you money to buy more pink shit? Is that what I'm doing? That's what I want to know. What, what am I buying this sandwich for? You know what's funny? You know goddamn well there's somebody within that fucking pink organization is pulling down high six figures for raising breast cancer awareness. You know they are. There's somebody right now down at some fucking dealership going, do I buy that overpriced shiny motherfucker or this one? Right? With fucking, he's got pink fucking 20s in his pocket, gonna peel them off like Kanye West, right? Um, Kanye West.
1: That's
2: my impersonation of his rapping style. Because he thinks his crowds are like borderline retarded and they don't understand words, so he has to slow down every third one.
1: I'm not saying I'm going to fuck dig a guy. but bee
2: They should re-break his jaw because he still looks like a fucking pug. Um... <laughs> Oh, I'm in a mood. Why in such a cunty mood, Bill? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why, because I have a 14-hour flight today to fucking Australia, and I didn't want to think about that. But let's get back to the pink shit. You know, one of the classic things that uh, football fans will say, they'll be like, but why don't they have have Prostate Awareness Month? Where they wear, like, brown stuff. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know why they don't have Prostate um, Awareness Month? aside from the fact that guys couldn't organize a fucking fishing trip without drinking a 12-pack first, um, it's because guys are already watching NFL football. That's why. We're already watching. There's no way to, there's no, re, there's no, what's the upside? You know, to of that. Reminding us that our ass might fall out someday while we're watching the fucking overrated Seahawks. Oh, I'm going to get to that, by the way. I'm gonna get to that. All right, you tree hugging fucking Kurt Cobain, candlelit vigil, fucking douchebags. I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna get to you guys right fucking now. I am so sick of them talking about how fucking well before I do that, let's let's be honest here. The Patriots did not deserve to win that game. Tom Brady had a horrible fucking game. Um and our defensive backs just I, I don't know what they're doing. Can somebody, for the love of God, explain to me what the defensive backs on the New England Patriots are doing? Are they covering the receivers or are they just merely giving them an escort down the field? We made that fucking rookie look like goddamn Joe Montana. The amount of fucking jump balls that guy threw, just threw a jump ball. "Ah, This is in the general vicinity. And our guys are just running down the field. Of course, with these new fucking uh, rules, and this goes on, on, on both sides, the, the, the rules in the NFL are just fucking horrific at this point. Do you see that Jets game? Luck, Andrew Luck throws a pick. Cromartie's running it into the end zone. Luck's coming over to, you know, to try to cause some sort of traffic so he goes out of bounds and doesn't score. And guess what? He gets blocked and he falls on his ass and they call a Penalty. Roughing the quarterback. I mean, I, just, it, I don't I don't get it. I don't it's one of the worst fucking calls I've ever seen in my life other than that fucking call against the Yankees at second base. Now that that, that right there was um I would investigate that umpire. Did you have like did you have money on that fucking game? Whatever. 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 So that's bullshit. That whole the whole protecting of the fucking quarterback is such horseshit. There was one play, the Patriots, one of our linebackers came in, right? Seattle's quarterback is in the follow-through of throwing the ball. He goes to swat the ball. The ball goes by. He misses it. And part of his forearm, I mean, hit the guy's head. I mean, not even hard. He's swatting at the ball. They call roughing the passer. And that was yet another jump ball that he threw. And this is the coverage the Patriots guy has. He gives him his little, little touch. You're allowed to touch the receiver. within the first five yards. But I think at this point you're allowed to do it with only two fingers. You know? One didn't index fingers or two pinkies and a thumb. Okay? You're allowed, because pinkies are shorter. You're allowed to touch the fucking receiver. And then after that, you just, all you can do is run next to them. This is why, if I see one more mediocre fucking jackass throw for 350 fucking yards... It's unbelievable. When I was a kid, when you played football, you fucking ran with your guy, you saw his eyes, and then you turned around, you looked back at the quarterback, and then you hand-checked the receiver. You didn't grab his jersey. You just put your hand back so you knew where the fuck he was. Okay? That's it. You can't even do that. So all these fucking guys do now is they just run down the field with them, and then when they see their eyes go up at the last second... They try to turn around, and by then, it's, it's, it's fucking over. By the time they realize the ball's there, the receiver's fucking dick is in his face, and then they just sort of grab around his waist and pull the guy down. And they're like, oh, another big gain for fucking Joe Blow. He has 400 yards passing in the second quarter. A new NFL record. It's amazing. He couldn't carry Dan Marino's fucking jockstrap, but for some reason, he just broke one of his records. Ah, I, I, I swear to God, I am, I'm going to stop fucking watching NFL football. If you can't fucking hit the quarterback and you can't cover the receivers, and I have to watch another fucking guy go 36 for 58. I don't want to see 58 six-yard passes. In a game, I don't want to fucking see it. I don't know. Maybe they'll make a helmet that will allow them to play football again. And I want to apologize to all those rugby fucking fans. I was wrong. After really watching it this week, you know, I've been on the road for six straight weeks. After really sitting down there watching the NFL package, dude, I don't even recognize the fucking game anymore. Do you know somebody? What my buddy was is back east in Boston. Did you see fucking Wes Welker? It was a tough son of a tough son of a bitch. Did you see him get fucking stuck after he made that catch? Just a fucking great old school rattle your fillings hit. It was the shit. One of those things where you sit at home, you see the hit, and you're like, yeah, right there. Aside from, obviously, the speed of the game, that hit right there is why I'm on the couch watching and not playing. Because if that ever happened to me, I would have fucking, if I didn't die instantly, I would have been crying like a little girl. And I would have crawled off of my forearms and just (laughs) laid in the fetal position for the rest of the fucking game. As opposed to Welker, who got up, was out for one play, and came back and counted like another 15-yarder. Um Just a great fucking hit. Some fucking sports guy in Boston, my buddy, was telling me, said that the the guy should be fined for that hit. I don't know. This is it. You know what it is? The timeout generation is coming of age. And uh, I don't recognize it. But I got to tell you, uh, fucking Seattle, their fans annoy the fuck out of me. They really do. I am so sick of them getting all this fucking credit for being this loud crowd. The 12th man. You know, your 12th man should be, it's sh- your 12th man every week should be the architect that built that stadium because they knew you guys were just average fucking fans. So they had to like design a symphony hall to enhance how loud your cheers are. I went to that stadium. You can't fucking believe how loud it is. You're looking around going, how is it this loud? And I'm looking at the expressions on people's faces. They're not any more intense. Nothing. It's that fucking overhang. They built a symphony. To capture every fucking cheer that goes up there. And now these guys are out there thinking they're like these badass fans with your ugly ass fucking uniforms. And to make matters worse. Yeah, and, and every week they have some fucking B-list celebrity go out there, and I forget what he does. He blows a trumpet or raises a flag. It was so forgettable, I was actually at yeah, it's the to have... Most of this is because I'm mad that my fucking team blew that goddamn game. No, we didn't even blow it. We fucking didn't even deserve it. We didn't fucking deserve it. Is this cunting? Am I now taken away from Seattle? Yeah, to- Seattle totally deserves it. Their fucking defense is great. And everything was awesome, and I really liked... I love how fucking big and hard their uh, their their corners hit. And everything was great. And then this morning, I'm watching the NFL Network, and one of their corners is on there talking trash, but he's like giddy. It was like uh, I had douche chills going up the arm, back down the arm, and back up the arm. He's just like, Oh you know for the game. I, I said to Brady we're going to beat you. And he's like, talk to me after the game. And then we won, and then I was like, yeah, what's up now? You know, we're, we're, we're like a team. They're like they're like the Brady Bunch. and uh, uh. Uh, it was like dude please stop talking. You just won. Just sit there like it was no big deal. Why are you trying to act like you're a badass and you you sound giddy. You won a game in fucking October. Absolutely giddy. He sounded like he shook Elvis's hand. Uh you can quote me. Put it on the NFL network. Oh go wash your dreads. Nobody gives a fuck. Well one you win one fucking game. <laughs> you win one fucking game in October. And you're fucking sitting there texting about it. And then Tom Brady said this and then I said that. Did he? Right, some he said fucking she said horse shit. Just be thankful that you have one more fucking victory than you really deserve because of those replacement refs. Honestly, Seattle, Honestly. Do you really think you're gonna win the Super Bowl this year? You know? Even with your your, your enhanced acoustics there. You know? Who um actually you know it'd be interesting. Um who who <laughs> who designed that stadium? Did Paul Simon, did he have a word in that? Did he sit there on the fifty yard line? You know, singing one of his uh going to San Francisco songs? James Taylor, maybe, he sat out there. Okay, James, let's just see if we've moved the roof in um, far enough to capture every sound in this building. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I've seen sunny days. Oh, my God. Oh, wait. Most of that. Most of that was, I'm just pissed that my fucking team lost. Uh, Why won't they let them play football anymore, everybody? Is it because they're worried about a class action suit with all these fucking concussions? Just make them sign a waiver. I understand that if I get my head slammed at 40 miles a fucking hour every three seconds playing this game, that eventually there might be some sort of physical side effects. I take on all these personal fucking uh, risks myself, and I agree to go out there and play football the way it was meant to be played. Ugh, I gotta tell you right now, the two biggest things ruining the game, though. I mean, you do have to protect the players, but the fucking Brady rule. I'm actually sitting there watching Brady, and he's bugging me every time he gets somebody runs by him too fast. He looks over at the ref. It's just like, you know, I, I, it's it's it's. I'm gonna stop. I'm who, I'm not gonna stop watching. I'm just gonna keep bitching because I have nothing better to do on a fucking Sunday. There's the truth of the matter. But this fuck dude, back in the day, defensive backs, man, they had attitude, man. They were up on their toes. They were right up on the line. They got in your face. They could fucking intimidate you. But, like, you can't even play defense. It's like a chaperone on a fucking prom night. I don't know. But even if you could play defense, I swear to God, our fucking corners are terrible. Fucking terrible. I know I don't get the fucking game, but you know what? I can't stand. I fucking hate zone defense. I hate when you're covering a guy and then you just let him go. You let him go, and then that other, and then he has like eight yards before another guy's gonna go pick him up, and they're like, he's sitting down in the zone, sitting down in the zone. He's not even fucking covered. All right, I got my fucking tampon out. Let's go. Let's fucking plow ahead here. Ugh. I'm going to go up there with a fucking hacksaw one day, and I'm going to cut off the roof on both sides of those of that fucking stadium. And, and you know what, Seattle Seahawks fans? You're going to find in an embarrassing way how loud you truly are, okay? When it immediately sounds like a Peter, Paul, and Mary concert. All right, your granola bar-eating jackasses, sitting there acting like your tough guys up there. What do you do? All your tough guys are out to sea getting the fucking crab legs. What do you guys do, huh? Sit around and talk about the New World Order? You know, you're such rabid fans. You lost your basketball team. Go fuck yourselves. Um, let's try neon green. Hooray. Ah, oh, Jesus. Hey, did you guys hear there's a new strand of gonorrhea out there? This is a nice segue. Airborne gonorrhea. I really need an echo for that. Airborne, born, born gonorrhea, rhea, rhea, rhea. <laughs> airborne fucking gonorrhea can you believe that shit just when you thought it was safe to take your dick out right here comes airborne gonorrhea and we have evidently san diego state university to thank for it all right so there's a mysterious case of this kid right he's never gotten laid in his life he's kissed a couple of girls but that's it and somehow he ends up with fucking gonorrhea um So the doctors can't figure it out. Let's pick it up here. When questioned about any physical contact or possible mixing of fluids, the dude responded, well, I did sort of brush up against this pretty girl's arm, but I don't think she noticed. So this kid, as far as they're explaining, is basically a virgin. said, after explaining his situation to the doctors at UCSD's student health clinic, uh, research began examining the peculiar case. Um, this fucking egghead was the first guy to suspect a fucking thing, uh, a new strand of the disease. Sometimes, well, here's what he says. Sometimes when a bacterial disease is present in extremely high quantities within a relatively small location. Read San Diego State University campus. It can mutate and in some cases become airborne. As it turns out, this was the case. At San Diego State University. And this virgin just happened to be the first victim. That's how filthy these fucking kids are down there. Jesus Christ. They must be going to class barefoot. Bunch of fucking animals down there. Um, anyways. Some chick who accompanied the virgin to San Diego State said, yeah, it really sucks that the dude who drove us got gonorrhea. (laughs) I mean, he didn't even get any ass. This is a woman saying this. And still, now look at him. That really blows. Wow. Well, there you go. So there you go. If anybody has a daughter and you're thinking about where not to send her, I would not send her to San Diego State University. Why? Because of the, the curriculum? Is that how you say it? The curriculum? The the safety issues on campus? No. What well, well what is the reason? It's because of airborne board board gonorrhea rhea, rhea, rhea. Airborne gonorrhea. That is just fucking insane. San Diego State gives you wings. <laughs> it gives gonorrhea rings. They're like the fucking Red Bull of STDs. That is fucking... Shame on you, San Diego State University. What are you guys doing down there? I can tell you what you're not doing. Good fucking Lord. Get it. You know what? They're going to invent a new condom. You know, that just... You're going to put it on like a fucking bathing suit and it's just going to cover everything. It'll be like a, a, a Speedo condom. You know, but it's it, but it's very flexible. So you're still able to have some sort of sex. It's just, oh, you see this shit? It's over. This is nature, man. Nature knows there's just too many of us. And she's just, I don't know what she's doing. She needs to step up her game, though. Because if you think fucking airborne gonorrhea is going to stop us, I got it. I got. I got news for you, lady. I don't. I don't think it is. You know, what I realize I'm 22 minutes in. I always fucking do this, and I forget to do the goddamn ads. By the way, congratulations to Sandy uh, Seattle. You know. You know. I'm fucking with you. I'm just fucking pissed that we lost. All right. Before you send me all your fucking. You know, I did an episode of Inside the NFL this week, and at the end of the end of it, I'm standing there with Phil Simms and Chris Collinsworth, who are two of the funniest dudes ever. Such a great experience doing that show. So they have me picking games. So I'm standing there with a guy, you know, two guys who both played in Super Bowls. And I'm just some moron from the stand. So I'm not really going to sit here and give my picks. I'm just going to act like an idiot. So I predicted the Patriots would win by 40. I said the Texans wouldn't win because I didn't like their quarterback's face. I was going to pick Tampa and then said, ah, they got a pirate ship in their stadium, you know. They're not taking it seriously. I just did stuff like that. The amount of people who took it seriously, like you thought they were going to win by 40? Epic fail. It's like, do you, do you really think I thought they were going to win by 40? Unreal. Um, unreal. Um, my little Jim Florentine. My Paul Verzi doing Jim Florentine. You got to listen to Paul Verzi's podcast, by the way. Um, the uh, I think it's the Verzi effect. I can't remember what the hell he calls it. All I know is that Robinson Cano is 0 for twenty six in his last twenty six at bats. He just he just set a new playoff record. Nobody in the history of the game has gone 0, 0 for twenty six. You know what does Verzi say? Verzi just ah, you know he's just in a slump. Just, I got to talk Yankees over here in a second. Hold on. Here we go. Here we go. Let's let's do some uh, let's do some reads here, man. Um. All right. What do I got here? Uh, all right. Mortgage rates just hit an all-time historic low, 3.125%. APR, annual percentage rate, for those of you at home, keeping score. Um, if you're looking for some extra cash for the holiday season or just want to take advantage of these rates, LendingTree can help you save hundreds a month. Can I tell you something? If you want to buy a house, 3.125 is a great thing to do. If you're so broke you need to take out a second mortgage to buy Christmas gifts, uh, I don't think that's a good idea. Extra cash for Christmas, why would you do that? Oh, that's probably the last week they advertise. Um. <laughs> don't do that, okay? You're going to go buy a bunch of Christmas gifts and not have a roof over your head? For God's sakes, man, let's think this through. Anyways, it's easy, it's free, and you can feel confident in the lender you choose. Go to LendingTree.com and complete one easy form that takes less than five minutes to do. This is basically like, you know, when you're going to like, uh, maybe you're going to go down to San Diego and avoid San Diego State University campus, and you want to find a cheap hotel. What is it, like Orbits. This is like the orbits of, of mortgages. You just pump in, you know. What you're looking for, all your information, and they will scan all these different banks at your fingertips, and you will get the lowest rate. But please, do not take out a second mortgage. Oh, they're not saying that. They're just saying if you just want some cash for Christmas, you know, I think at that point, you got to go chop down a tree and just make a wooden train for somebody and do the best you can. That's what I would do. A couple of IOU slips. All right, plowing ahead. Uh, Bill. Uh, anyways, you will be able to compare offers from up to four lenders, and if you enter the code BURR, B-U-R-R, you will receive a free mortgage guide. Um, and there you go, 3.125 percentage rate. That's that's unbelievable. I have a nice percentage rate in my house. All right, I thought I had it good, and all of a sudden, look at these guys. It's even lower. And I know what you're thinking. Well, why don't you refinance, Bill? I'll tell you why. Because after all the rigmarole, it's going to end up costing me more money. So I'm locked into my rate. All right? If you want to get locked into a better rate right now, now's the time. Get yourself. You know what's great about a house? If you just pay that thing down, you know, when the apocalypse comes, you own your thing. You own your little hut as everybody else is getting thrown out by the bankers. <laughs> Coming down the street like the Penguin in the old Batman movies. You um, know who's getting who if you're going to pay for 30 years? To have the, one of the low, all-time historic low interest rate. There you go. All right, Bill, we got it. We got it. Um, <clears throat> and then of course the classic, stamps.com. Do you like going to the post office? Really? Well, what's wrong with you? Wouldn't it be great if you didn't have to go to the post office because you could do everything that you could do at the post office within your own home, dwelling, or tent city? Um, you, that, this is the basic. You can print legal stamps at any hour of the day. All right. You get a postage meter. Stamps.com has no hidden fees. Um, oh, unlike a postage meter, Stamps.com has no hidden fees like meter ink charges or reset fees. No long-term contracts, no extra hardware to buy or lease. Stamps.com can save you up to 80% compared to a postage meter. Um, plus, Stamps.com, uh, with Stamps.com, you can do more with a the, with the meter. Come on, Bill. Let's focus here. Use your existing address books, sending track information to recipients with a click of the button. The choice is clear. Stamps.com or offers features at a fraction of the cost. I use Stamps.com whenever I send out any of my DVDs, and uh, I absolutely love it. I love it. Um, use, use my last name, Burr, for, for my special offer. No risk trial, plus a $110 bonus offer. Includes a digital scale and up to $55 free postage. You just try it, you're up 55 bucks. Where in this economy can you do that? Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Burr. B-U-R-R. That's Stamps.com. Enter Burr. All right. Back to the podcast. And once again, congratulations to the Seattle Seahawks. I really don't hope that you don't win a Super Bowl. All right. Before you get all fucking upset.
0: Actually, we are that
2: loud. Back when we had, when we had the uh, the King Joe, we're having people painted their heads, man. Um, we were shotgunning granola bars, man, the new world order. Um, actually I love, uh, I love Seattle. It's a fucking beautiful city. You know what I mean? And it's worth sitting there talking to those broads with the hairy bushes. Um, the fucking New York Yankees. I got to tell you, I was just in New York city, New York, New York. And, um, I got to tell you something. Joe Girardi sitting A-Rod, or pinch hitting him in the ninth inning when they're down, sitting a $200 million man, uh, is arguably the ballsiest, gutsiest move I've ever seen by not only a baseball manager, I'm trying to think of a gutsier call. I know Saints fans. Oh, what about when we did the onside kick? Not even close. Not even close. That's just some... uh, Razzle dazzle. You just, yeah, that's, you file that under that shit. This, this was an unbelievable move. It was such an unreal move. And for those of you who didn't watch and were under a ruck, the guy, uh, Raul Labanyes, who looks like, I don't know what he looks like. He looks like an older Freddy Krueger. <laughs> He's an old guy, put it that way. I'm four years older than him, so I look even worse. Guy hits a home run. It was like a movie. It's like Robert Redford in The Natural. Goes into extra innings. They win it on a walk-off home run by who? None other than Raul Ibanez again. It, was, it just was unreal. And I absolutely hate the Yankees. And the next day I'm reading the New York Post, reading about this historic move, and I'm smiling, reading about a Yankee win. Unbelievable. I actually got into the baseball playoffs a little bit because uh, I kept doing spots. Um, all that whole week I was getting ready to do Night of Too Many Stars on Comedy Central, which I taped uh, Saturday night and will air, I believe, within the week. Raises money for autism. And uh, I kept making fun of that name, Night of Too Many Stars. There's too many stars. And then I showed up and saw who was there, and that was pretty impressive. I'm not going to ruin it, but uh, I was definitely – my head was on a swivel Saw so half of my childhood walk by. Um, anyways, yeah, so I would go out and I would run my set, and um, and then I would I would at the end of the night I'd go to this bar by myself. I get a whiskey and I would just sit there and I would would watch the end of the games and uh, what did I watch? I watched oh my god! I watched the fucking I was gonna say the Senators, the fucking uh, Nationals. <coughs> I watched the Nationals. Oh, my God. That fucking, that debacle. That was brutal. That was like the old school Red Sox. That was the way the Red Sox used to lose. That was brutal. So my condolences to National fans. I sat there watching it, not really giving a shit about the series, but I was like, oh, they've never won a a playoff series in baseball since the 1930s. I got to watch this because these fans are going to go crazy. Go crazy, folks. They're going to go nuts. And just watching that just watching it go away what the hell were they were they down by 4 runs no what was it no they scored 4 runs it was 7 to 5 they're one strike away and next thing you know it's 9 to 7 cardinals oh it was brutal It was brutal. I saw two horrific things, that and watching Derek Jeter break his ankle and have to get carried off the field. That was just, that was not something that I wanted to see. Had I known that that was going to happen, I I wouldn't have watched, you know. You don't want to see Derek Jeter carried off the field. It was was brutal. Fucking brutal. So, anyways, hats off to uh, Joe Girardi, man. That was an awesome. Oh, what a gutsy call to have to walk up to him. And be like, yeah, listen, I'm about ready to humiliate you in front of the country for the better of this team. And uh, if this doesn't work out, you know, with the way the New York media is, they might actually question – they're going to question whatever the fuck I do. And he still had the nerve to do it. Unreal. Unreal. Um, Anyways, here we go. Hey, Bill, I'm a huge fan, and I just want to let you know that recently my mother – has been battling cancer. While well, she's in the hospital recovering from surgery, my dad, brother, and I sat down and watched your special. Even though it might have been an hour of the day, you made us laugh at a time when we all really needed to. Well, why are we, why are we? This is, like, really nice. We don't do nice things in the podcast. I truly believe... Bu, 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 thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, well, I'm glad I was able to do that. I'm glad my total ego trip, look at me, selfish thing that I do, somehow added to your life. And I'm sorry to hear about your mom. I hope she gets better. All right. See, now 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 we're in this place. Now we're in this place. This happened to me on that night of too many stars. I'm not going to say what happened, but I had to go on after something that really should have just ended the show because it was unreal. It was unreal and I was literally standing there going, "I have to go on after this why why?" Oh jeez, but the host hooked me up. The host got him back, got him back to a more sillier place um anyways the host john stewart um solid guy stand-up comedian saw the situation all right took the bullet for me brought me out nice solid guy all right facebook comments bill how does someone who can hardly read write a book (laughs) (laughs) you know how i can do that sir um, I, I, I didn't write a book. I wrote it with two of my friends. We all held each other. You know, they brought me across the finish line like Kellen Winslow in that game against the Dolphins. Um, uh, that's actually not true. Me and Bobby carried Joe DeRosa across the finish line. You know, not cause Joe's not a piece of shit. Joe just, just such a commitment phobe. He's never really in a relationship. So he didn't have that many cheating stories. Um, But anyways, I want to thank everybody who's going out and buying the book. The book has been doing phenomenally, phenomenon, on whatever the hell it is, the book charts. So if you haven't got your your copy of Cheat, A Man's Guide to Infidelity, absolutely hilarious, over-the-top look at uh, men's behavior and the dumb things that we do. Um, we got a bunch of our knucklehead friends telling stories about cheating on women and getting caught. And then the three of us, me, Joe, and Bobby, basically break down their cheat stories like NFL game film and try to say where they went wrong, where they went right. And in the back of the book, the true reason we wrote the book was to hype our short film that we got into the Tribeca Film Festival called Cheat. Um, You get a link to the movie, and you can check it out, and it's awesome. So thank you for everybody. And also my special... You People Are All the Same is, is uh, still available for download at BillBurr.com. And if you're having problems downloading it, you have totally my empathy because I would screw it up too because I am also not good at the computer, the art of computers. Just make sure when you just in this, if you have a problem, all you need to do is in capital letters in the subject line. This will help me find your email quickly and get you the special as quickly as possible. Just write stand-up special and then in the body of your email. Just have your PayPal receipt copied and we'll get it right out to you. Okay. Because if you just say, Hey, I bought it. I couldn't download it. I have to do the extra thing of going, okay, send me the receipt. We'll get it to you. It's an extra step. All right. We're trying to expedite the process of you getting the special. All right. Speaking of special led Zeppelin special, Mr. Burr. Tell me you're excited about the new led Zeppelin film about their 2007 benefit concert. Um, Jim Florenty talked about it on his most recent podcast and mentioned how Bonzo's son stole the show. Yeah, Jason. I actually talked to Florentine. Well, text about it. He said it was the best concert film he's ever seen. Um, and I also heard that the members of the band were, were, were ridiculously excited after they saw it. Um, so he goes, so I thought that this might be the best dilemma question for you. If you could see only one last concert, would you choose... ACDC in Argentina or Led Zeppelin with Bonzo's son? Uh, I, uh, that's that's actually an easy one. I would have to say Led Zeppelin with Bonzo's son just for the f- simple fact that I've seen ACDC a bunch of times and I've never seen Led Zeppelin. And um, as much as I would love to see ACDC in Argentina, yeah, I would, I would go see you know what I, I mean? Because I, I, I saw some clips of it. What I liked about how Jason played was you could just tell that he wasn't intimidated by the moment. You know, that poor guy, he basically, he had to follow the greatest drummer of all time, his dad. It'd be like if you were Jordan's son and you're playing hoop. Even if you dunk on somebody, somebody's going, go, yeah, but your dad, your dad would have jumped higher. He's had to deal with that his entire life. And I just felt the way he was playing he didn't give a shit what anybody was going to say. And he did this great blend of um, stuff that his dad played on the classic recordings and stuff that I've heard on the Zeppelin bootlegs. He kind of blended those perfectly while also just being in the moment himself, I felt like, and throwing in some shit that his interpretations... And he, he, it was it was perfect. He did the perfect balance of of staying true to the original and then adding his own flavor to it without getting in the way. It was an absolute masterpiece. So um, there you go. Look at that. After coming out hard, coming out hard and trashing pink shirts and everybody in Seattle, look at him coming around here, giving, uh, giving fucking props to the Yankees and shit. Jesus Christ almighty. Um. Anyways, Bill, Bill, uh... Beer. Oh, beer... Um, fear of STDs and downgrading. Um, what's going on, Bill? Love the podcast and all the advice you have. You know, fuck this. I'm not going to read this right now. Let's talk about how the. F- I have to get on a fucking airplane today to fly to Australia. All right? Which is definitely exciting. Exciting and new. Get on board. What are you going to do? You're fucking trapped here for fucking 14 goddamn hours. You have two options. Sit there and take it or do permanent damage to your liver by taking some sleep aids. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not into those fucking ambience and all those types of things because uh, I do enough damage to my liver with fucking whiskey and all that type of shit. I don't need I don't need to be adding to it. You know what I mean you know like when the ref gets knocked down in a wrestling match and then and and the hero guy with the blonde blonde fucking mullet is over in the bad guy's corner and the guy who's not supposed to be in has got his foot on his fucking throws the other guy kicks him in the head allegedly, yeah, I don't want to be doing that to my fucking liver So I actually tweeted this out these these are basically my options for a 14 hour flight, 14 fucking hours. 14 fucking hours. what are we what are we going by ship here huh what what are we doing here um all right first option i watch all 3 godfathers plus good fellas and then i try and sleep for 6 hours that'll be 14 hours or i uh take a fistful of ambient and i watch raising arizona and then i'm there but I, I've done this flight before and I did it out of New York City and I I flew with this lady and she took some of those drugs and I kept looking over at her, jealous, as she just slept hour after hour after hour, and I was sitting there fucking playing Tetris for like fucking eight hours. <clears throat> um but at the end of the flight, when, when she went to get off, I swear to God, it's, she looked like she got the shit kicked out of her. But for some reason, her face had didn't have the bruises, but it was all puffy. She looked horrible. And uh, I don't want to do that shit. So I think I'm going to go with the fucking. Yeah, but my, my laptop's going to run out of battery life. Did I ever tell you guys how I don't like that movie, Casino? It's just too fucking violent. It's it's just too fucking violent. I love all the other stuff in it, but that shit where a guy's eye gets popped out, or where they making Pesci watch them beat his brother to death with the bat, and they're like burying him while he's still fucking half conscious. It's just it just it's just too much. Just fucking rub me the wrong way. Those fake deaths I couldn't handle. <coughs> um. Fuck. So what am I gonna do? I'm taking the lovely Nia with me, of course. Of course she wants to go. She never goes when I need her, like when I'm going to fucking, you know, some godforsaken place. You know, if I'm going someplace fun, oh, she's right there on my hip. You know how ladies do that? Oh, I want to go. That sounds like fun. Oh, yeah? How come Jacksonville doesn't sound like fun? What about Cincinnati? You don't think you can have some fun there? That's the great thing about this trip is I had fun in all those places. I had an unbelievably great time in Jacksonville, shooting guns, eating gator, going to the game, and then I went up to fucking Cincinnati and I ate their fucking ribs. I took a river boat over to the game. I had a great, I had a great time. I really did. Um, oh, and speaking of a great time, and this is totally just free advertisement. There's a new stand-up comedy club in New York City. There's a new girl in town and she's feeling good. Um Jesus Christ, what was that? That was That was Alice. I didn't know I knew that. There's a new girl in town and she's feeling good. Got a divorce and a big tooth kid, and we're going to Arizona. Cause I'm gonna tan up my MILF titties. I forget how it goes. Anyways. <laughs> that dude was a cute kid and then once he fucking he, once he grew up wow he went through his fucking awkward years all of a sudden he had giant fucking teeth and uh, he didn't look so good <clears throat> Tommy Tommy was his name um, the fuck am I talking about why did I just start singing that oh a new stand-up club the guys who run the club right now are fucking sitting on the edge of their seats going is this fucking ADT, ADD douchebag actually gonna get to it <clears throat> yes, I am. Um, there's a new, new new comedy club. It's called The Stand. It's on 3rd Avenue between 19th and 20th Street and um, <clears throat> has unbelievable food. And there's a great comedy room downstairs. And I hung out there all fucking weekend, all week, building up for the night of too many stars. And uh, I had an awesome time. And that's definitely going to be a regular stop for me. When I come back to New York and you should, it's, it's fucking great. It's a great place to take abroad. They got good food, great comedy downstairs. And, um, yeah, it's kind of the same setup as the, uh, the comedy cellar, you know, restaurant upstairs, comedy room downstairs, you know, they're like a smaller version of that. So either or there you go. The comedy cellar, the classic, the Fillmore of stand-up comedy clubs <coughs> in New York City. And now there's another new one, The Stand. You know, I actually went around, and I did all the old ones, man. I had a great time going back there. I did uh, did a spot at Dangerfields, did a couple spots at the Comic Strip. I went over to uh, Stand-Up New York, uh, went down to the cellar. It was great. It was a fucking great time. And then I really actually missed... Being able to do, like, four spots in a night, working on stuff. Um, that was a great time of my life. Way back in the day, late 90s, early 2000s, when I, was, when I was living with fucking Bobby Kelly, and we would go out and do, like, eight shows on a Friday, eight shows on Saturday. The fucking end of the night, sitting there all sweaty with fucking 50 bucks, 50 bucks a spot, whether there'd be 400 bucks. I've told these stories and I always had to take cabs because I played downtown and uptown and Bobby played, he played the Boston, the one, the cellar. And some nights he'd do three at each and he'd have nine and he didn't have to take one fucking cab and he had all his money. And I'd be jealous. Anyways, fear of STDs and downgrading. What's going on, Bill? I love the podcast and all the advice you've given, no matter how inane, (laughs) So I thought I'd ask for some advice for myself. Uh, for the last year and a half, I've been tormented by my ex-girlfriend. She dumped me and did the whole I want you back thing on and off for a year and a half. Oh, my God, dude. Which is longer than we were together, in parentheses, only a year. I don't want to be with her because I now know how much of a cunt she is. But the problem is that I've been lured into this shit for that period of time. You learn into watch shit? Back into the relationship? Um, anyways, he says, even though during that time we were not together, I didn't sleep with or do anything with any other girl to make me look like the bigger person in the situation. She had a boyfriend during this time because, again, she's a cunt. Um, well, dude, you're a sap, all right? You, you If... If you're just going to say she's a cunt here, like, <clears throat> you're, you're, you're turning the keys over to the rela- of the whole fucking relationship to her. That the reason why this isn't working is because she's a cunt. She, she is a cunt, and you're allowing her cunt mist to fucking come into your atmosphere. <laughs> Sorry, I ran out of shit there. Um, yeah. She's like airborne gonorrhea. Get away from her. All right? Get away from her. Anyway, so he goes, so I, I haven't had sex in over a year and a half, which is slowly killing me on the inside. Dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? Don't you have any friends? Have you told your guy friends that? Ah, come on, man. You're better than this. And he says, and the prospects aren't looking too good. Not many attractive ladies at my school and the ones who are attractive, I'd probably rather date since I'm more of a relationship guy. Um, I've never had a one-night stand before and would not know how to handle a situation of just approaching a girl and getting her to have sex with me within a couple of hours. It's not like I don't want to have random sex, but I am wary of STDs and don't want to just bang some ugly, not-too-attractive broad. Since my ex was extremely attractive, I do not want to downgrade in any sense. Well, you don't. You don't have to bang some pig. Dude, you just need to go out. This is what you need to do. You need to go out. First thing you need to do is go down to the thrift shop, get yourself a fucking smoking jacket and some slippers. All right? And just start fucking walking around in it and just feeling that vibe. (laughs) (laughs) You have to stop giving a fuck. All right? Get yourself a bunch of condoms. You know? That's a great thing to do. Get yourself a bunch of condoms like you're preparing for something wonderful to happen. And then just get out there in the game. Don't, give, don't go out there going like, I have to convince this girl to have sex with me tonight. You know? that's You're going to come off desperate. Just go out there and just fucking have a good time. I'm telling you right now. It's like doing stand Half of doing stand-up is if you're up there having the fucking time of your life, the crowd's going to go along with you. They like it. They see you're having fun. It's contagious. They want to be around you. You just go out, have a good time at a fucking party, crack some jokes, say what's up, be friendly, don't freak them out. And eventually he's going, what's your deal? What's going on with you? And they do a little touch on your arm right there. You're at least rounded second. <laughs> you know, that's it. Baby steps. Hit a double first before you worry about fucking hitting the cycle. Um, that would be my advice to you, even though I haven't read the rest. So I don't even know what your fucking question is. So let's let's plow ahead. Although now I've also brought up airborne, born gonorrhea, real, real. Get a gas mask and some condoms. And I think you ought to be good. That's going to be sex here in the next couple of years. Do you like that? Does that sound good? Ah, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Suck my dick. Hey, hey, yeah, suck my dick. My dick. Yes, Jesus Christ. Fucking idiot. I, don't, I wasn't talking to you. I wasn't. Okay, you got to fucking leave man? You got to fucking leave? Great, great. Then fuck you. You fucking hell! Take your airborne gonorrhea with you, bitch. That's going to be sex in a couple of uh, couple of years. (coughs) Is that going to be a campaign issue next few years? Going to be tougher on health care. Going to get schools back, and we're going to tackle the problem head on of airborne gonorrhea um let's let's get to his fucking question here uh, i'm also on a college budget and definitely do not want to spend extra money i have on taking some girl out to dinner or some shit well then go fuck yourself dude have fun jerking off you know well there's your opening line yeah listen i want to fuck you tonight but like i don't want to waste any money so uh, wow what do, what do you say i'll take it out myself you know you know don't worry unless you want to you know burn some calories Take it out, my dick. Um So I am wondering if I should stop spending so much time thinking about getting laid and just focusing on my focus on myself until I graduate and let whatever happens happen. Yeah, that's great. Should I just take my hand off the wheel and see where the car goes? Or should I just say fuck it and try to fuck the next girl who gives me attention? No, don't do that. All right? You're a relationship guy. You don't want to go down that fucking road, okay? But also, you know... Even though you are a relationship guy, if the next one you meet is the one and you get married, you're going to be it's going to bug you that you didn't go out and bang at least fucking 20, 30 girls. So, I would, you know, quality, sir. Quality. Okay? Make a list. Check it twice. So you don't fuck some whore who's got the pussy lice Bada ba be ba beed ba boop. Um All right, tattoos. All right? I know they're all the fucking rage, but, you know, that says something about you if you get a tattoo. I don't give a fuck. All right? You're definitely on the other side of the skank fence. All right? Um, The way a girl dresses. You want a girl who dresses classy. All right? Not like a fucking whore. She dresses like a whore. Okay? A sports car looks like a sports car and has been driven like one. Okay? Okay? You look at a girl who's dressed like a fucking whore. She has been she's been ridden like one. You understand? All the fucking time. All right? Look. You know, those classy girls can be a lot of fun too. They really can. They actually can have a conversation with him your relationship guy, you know? You just walk in, "Hey, what's going on with you? Ah, I'm getting out of a relationship." You know, I just dated, you know, this absolute psycho. She's completely fucked with my head. I'm not even trying to be in a relationship. You know? Just hit her with that shit, because I'm actually a relationship guy, oh, he's sensitive. Maybe we'll get a puppy someday and you'll fucking be in there. And then you know, I don't know what I don't know what you do these days. You put on some Skrillex or dead mouse and you fucking whip. <laughs> And then you fucking come in her face. Um, Am I dating a whore? Hey, Bill, greetings from Spain. Hola, mi amigo. When are you coming here? I'm going to come there and watch people get run over by bulls at some point. And I've realized that the place to be at is you want to be in the arena where there's nowhere left to run. You know? Um, Anyway, I'm 22 and need some advice about a girl I'm dating. She was in class with me in high school. Dude, are you bilingual and you write this? Well, this is fucking amazing. My old Spanish fell off again because I can't find the disc to put it on this fucking laptop. It's only on my old one. No worst. Um, two months or so ago, we met again for my best friend's birthday. Wait, let's start over again. I already forgot what happened. She was in class with me in high school. We were good friends at the time. Two months ago, we met again for my best friend's birthday party. She fit in my group of friends pretty well. And after a couple of days, we started flirting with each other. Finally, one night we hooked up and now we're dating. Great. What could go wrong? Two years ago, she quit her career in college and I picked another one that she liked. Two years ago, she quit her career in college and I picked another one that she liked. I don't know what that means. She had to move to Madrid to attend school. Uh, yesterday, we were having a small sm- small pillow talk, and I asked her how many guys she'd bang. She started counting, and my asshole shrunk a little. Turns out, when she was in Madrid, she fucked six guys in six months and then started a relationship with another one that went for a year and a half. Uh, they broke up a month ago, and now she's with me. So if my math doesn't fail, counting her first boyfriend, the sixth dude that she's fucked and this last guy, I'm dick number nine. I've slept with six women in my entire life and somehow I feel like I'm dating a whore. Dude, she's still in signal digits. You know? That ain't nine dicks. You're number nine. Eight. Trying to think of the schoolhouse fucking rock song for eight. Was there one? Three's a magic number. Number nine will put you on the spot. <laughs> Number nine will tie you up oh, in a knot. Um I'm I've slept with six women my so I'm, I've slept with six women my entire life and somehow I feel like I'm dating a whore. I can't help but have this horrendous thought in my head. I'm not a jealous guy at all, but I caught myself a couple times on her Facebook page guessing who these dudes are. Dude, don't do that to yourself. Look, you're competitive, all right? You know, you have six TD passes. She has nine. She's going, She's starting the Pro Bowl. Uh, <laughs> she's sweet. She's nice. She's into me. But I think it will be different for me to trust this girl, which had never happened to me before. I'm feeling miserable. Any advice will be appreciated. Yeah, dude, it's not her fault you only banged six broads, all right? It'd be one thing if she had um, a history of cheating on guys she was in a relationship with. Um, Look, put it this way. A woman, if she's even just halfway decent looking, can go out to a bar and get dick every fucking night, all right? Now, if you could do that, if you could turn the fucking table, if you could go out and get laid like that, with women, how many woman women would you have banged in fucking six months? hundred and eighty is what I'm gonna say. Six months, thirty days a fucking month, roughly. Yeah, you probably would bang. You'd probably bang eighty before you started thinking, what am I doing? This is empty, you know. She banged six. Um she that was probably her fucking little little uh she got it out of her system. You know? She's not fucking around on you. She's not a whore. She's just making you... uh, didn't uh, consider it. What's the word? Insecure. You're all right, dude. Nine. In this day and age with airborne gonorrhea. I mean, that's pretty. That's a pretty fucking low number. And she did it all in Spain, way away from San Diego State University. Home of airborne <laughs> gonorrhea, rhea, rhea, rhea. Uh, do you think they're going to put that in their, their fucking brochure? You know, every... every College has to be number one in something. Oh, my God. Who's their big rival in football? You guys got to make the airborne gonorrhea fucking T-shirts. Show up with gas masks on for those dirty, filthy fucking students. The fact that the fucking chick from the goddamn school is sitting there going, and the sad thing, he didn't even get any ass right there that a fucking lady would talk like that Let you know why there's airborne gonorrhea oh you fucking skank um all right e-voice everybody if you need help looking for more for more prof- uh looking more professional or being more efficient you should check out eVoice. i personally have received some really great feedback from listeners on twitter um that show you guys are really liking uh, e-voice and why wouldn't you by going to eVoice, by going to www.evoice.com slash bill Burr. You can get a free six month trial of eVoice. It helps me as I can now give out multiple numbers that will all come through one cell phone. Why do they keep making it me seem like I di- I'm not using these products. I would use it though. I do endorse it. If I was trying to start a business, I would. All right, but I'm not going to sit here and lie to the listeners the listeners, um, you can have virtual answering service with multiple accents that make you sound bigger than you are. Uh, transcribe your voicemails to text or email. Basically, eVoice makes your life easier and makes a small business owner look much bigger. My favorite thing is the professional voiceover actors, actors and actresses that will give you any accent you want and sound all good looking and stuff and make people want to go to your business. Go to www.evoice.com/billbur and you can get you can get a free 6-month trial of eVoice. Um, and once again, Lending tree. If you want to take advantage of the extremely low rates, 3.125%, you can act now. Um, you can save hundreds, and it will take you just minutes by going to, um, to trylendingtree.com. These rates aren't going to stay like this forever. Go to trylendingtree.com, complete one simple form, and the network of over 200 lenders will send you four customized loan offers. You can't do any better than that. And the last two, let me just get these out of the way. Amazon.com, holiday shopping starting uh, if you'd like to donate to this podcast and the Wounded Warriors Project, just go to Billbird.com, click on the podcast page, click on the Amazon banner. Anything you buy after that on Amazon, they'll give me a piece. I kick the, uh, a piece of the piece over to uh, the Wounded Warriors Project. And there you go. And that's it. Um, okay, Bill, what am I doing? I'm originally from Massachusetts. I recently got out of the Army Infantry, and I'm now living in Hawaii. There you go, huh? That's a, that's a good deal. He goes, it's not as good as it sounds. Okay, all right, well, there goes all that happiness. I stayed here because I fell in love with a smoking hot local girl. She's 29 with three kids, all from the same guy, but he's a fucking piece of shit in and out of jail for being a a meth head like most Hawaiians. Anyway, sometimes I feel trapped here playing daddy. I'm 25 years old. Been all over the world, done my time in the military. Now I'm going to to school to be a firefighter at a fucking college where only 6% of the people are white and they fucking hate white people. Oh, the white people hate white people? All right. But it's kind of a good deal because her grandfather is a retired federal fire chief, so in a year I can be in the firehouse. I don't know what to do. She and the kids aren't too bad, honestly, It's all fucking amazing, but I still feel trapped in this fucking Twilight Zone fucking life where I've got three kids and a wife, air quote. Another option is I'm back in mass drinking beers and trying to avoid getting any felony convictions. I don't fucking know, man. Sometimes I just feel like I'm letting the best years of my life get away from me. Then I think maybe these are the best years of my life, and I start crying into my fucking beer. You got any advice, I need a new point of view on this whole thing. Thanks, man. Jesus, dude, this is a fucking dilemma. You know, you gave me just enough information to still be. All right. Are you going to marry this girl? Do you love her like that? When you're 35, she's 39. You're 65. She's 69. You know, is she going to have any more kids with you? How many kids do you want? How many more kids does she want? You know, they got fires in Massachusetts, too, you know. So you can always be a firefighter wherever the fuck you go. Um, Are you ready for all of this? This is what you got to ask yourself. You know, it sounds like you're pretty happy. You're living in a paradise. You know, with those volcanoes there, you're always going to have work. There's always going to be some fires, right? You know, when the dollar collapses, well, there's still a zillion people there. You can still have some shit going on. Um... Yeah, dude, this is up to you. I hate to say that. I mean, when I was 25 years old, I was not ready to be living in Hawaii with a woman four years older than me with three fucking kids. I was not ready to do that. Um, so, I understand. Wait, if you're feeling shit like that, I definitely get that. But I also hadn't traveled the fucking world, fought in a war and done all, all the stuff that you've done. You've lived way more life than I have. At 25. So, um, yeah, you just got to ask yourself those questions. What the fuck do you want to do? You know, smoking hot local girls, she's 29, she's got three kids. Uh, you're on the fucking beach. Why don't you make friends with Woody Harrelson and get some fucking weed? I'm sorry, dude. I don't know what to tell you. This is one. You know what? You're going to have to be on your own in this one. This is too big a fucking decision. Too big a decision. I would just say, do I love this girl? Is is she the one? Or am I just here because she's fucking smoking hot? And, you know, doesn't have any tan lines. <laughs> that's what I would ask myself. All right, that's the podcast for this week. Um, tonight, I am flying to Sydney, Australia. 14 fucking hours. Hopefully, there'll be no airborne gonorrhea on the fucking plane. Um... Oh, fuck me. This is going to suck. But once I land, it's going to be awesome. And um, I'm going to fucking uh, I'm gonna have great shows out there. I'm really excited. I got three nights of shows. As far as I know, I think they're all sold out. And uh, so thank you for all the podcast listeners out there in Sydney for stepping it up. And uh, Oh, and also another thing about rugby. I forgot. Some guy sent me a story. Some guy lost his ball the first half of the rugby game and he played the rest of the fucking way so whatever all right i would put the way the nfl used to be up against rugby now um my buddy joe bartnick who's who's got a new cd coming out is going to be on hyping uh his cd here in a couple of weeks when he releases it said the funniest thing to me he said if you want to watch how nfl football used to be watch sec football So there you go. So if you're an old fucking NFL head like me and you're a little disappointed with the escort that the fucking cornerbacks do now as they run down the field and how you can't block a fucking quarterback after he just threw a fucking interception and he's basically trying to make a play. Uh, SEC football, pick a team, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, Arkansas, Mississippi, Mississippi State. Who the fuck did I forget? Kentucky somebody fucking else. Auburn. War Eagle. They're all fucking great. Great to watch. Um, That's it. That's the podcast for this week. Go fuck yourselves. I'm bringing my mixer all the way over to Sydney, Australia. Uh, We're going to have a great time out there. And uh, we'll give you some photos and all that type of shit. All right? That's it. Go fuck yourselves. Please watch Night of Too Many Stars this week on... on Comedy Central, and thanks to everybody at Inside the NFL, I had, I, it was a dream come true to be able to do that show, and um, for all fans of that show, um, I, I can't tell you how how hilarious everybody was. It was such a good time. Just the ball-breaking that those guys do. It's, it's like you're in a locker room. You know? That's all they do is give each other shit, and when we would be in between segments, you know, they were like uh, just egging me on give us more shit give us more shit they were just just totally just couldn't have been nicer uh which ended up being great for me because i i really didn't even feel worthy to be on the show so thank you to those guys um and that's it that's the podcast all right go fuck yourselves i'll talk to you next week